welcome to Reality Blows. My name is Nick Maritato. I'm Ashley Burke-Roberts. This is a podcast all about reality television. That it is. And it's also about our lives. Boy, we have a packed show today, don't we, Ash? We really do. I mean, I don't know what we're going to be actually talking about, but I'm sure it'll be about an hour. I bet you're going to be very surprised. I have some things to tell you. I don't want to be too surprised. I got a big announcement to make. Oh, God. That sucks because also I have a big announcement to make. What? You have a big excuse me? What? (laughs) 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 Announcement? What did you say? Announcement. Don't make fun of me for not being able to pronounce words. You hate That's all you do to me. And you hate that. Oh, my God. Just because I flubbed a word. All of a sudden, yeah, you, I saw my opportunity. I went for it. Never, you know what they say when opportunity knocks, you just hide under the bed. <laughs> COVID 19 is out there, folks. <laughs> I, we just had a talk off pod about how Nick needs to. <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, guys, we just had a talk off pod about how Nick needs to stop bringing up COVID 19 because every time we start the podcast, he starts giving like a rundown of numbers and what's going on regionally. And it's like, just give us a break, you know? People listen to podcasts for a relief from their day. I never give a breakdown of numbers. Yeah, you do. Yeah, uh-huh. maybe I was going to on our false start just a few minutes ago, but that has never happened. It was unprecedented what I was doing. It was going to be the new... You start breaking things down in terms of regions. You get all, you get yeah. maps out. You start pointing at things. Folks, Ash knows as well as I do, this show is going through growing pains, okay? We're trying to figure out what we're going to do next. And what I think is just hard fucking news. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you got to cuss so early? (laughs) To piss my dad off. The filthiest man on the planet telling me I cuss too much on this show. I saw that guy eat a man's (laughs) shit. (laughs) All right. Let's let's really kick it in a gear. Let's kick okay. it in a gear. I'm a little goofy. I just woke up. Ash has been up. I heard her typing away on some god flabbit computer all morning. What the hell were you doing up early? I was finishing some edits to a script. All right, fine. Well, I was finishing some edits to a blipped, which is a thing that I made up in my dream. Are we going to start again? No. We're just going to You got to kick- edit that thing out about your dad. <laughs> Why? Because it's just it was too much. You got to stop laughing. <laughs> This is hard to listen to, I imagine. This is the only thing I'm proud of so far in two years of doing this show, is what I just said there. I'm not editing any of that out. What we were saying was, I I sometimes open this podcast up by talking about the pandemic, and sometimes it makes it into this podcast, but usually Ashley looks over at me and goes, why are we doing this? I don't want to start this off in like a weird, dark place and get all of our blowhards out there all worried about the world. We're supposed to be a relief. Yeah, because Nick gets real depressed in the very beginning. He'll be like, everything's bad. We're all bad. Hope you're wearing your masks. If you're not, you're ruining our lives. It gets intense. Listen, I have an announcement. Can I make it, please? You did not run any announcements by me. I know. That's because I wanted to surprise you on pod. I do not like that. I know. That's why I'm doing it. I want you to roll with the punches. Folks, for your safety and mine, I'm going to stop the podcast now. I'm going to vet Ashley's announcement. I'm going to decide whether or not it's right for our show, and then I'll come back. That's not happening all right fine listen you know how you got me those country bears the country bear jamboree toys from 2001 the mcdonald's toys yeah i'm ready to take them out of their bag and pose them around the house all right finally <laughs> what what changed I, your little talk last night or your little uh speech yesterday at lunch about um you know things being in the attic 
and like putting things to use. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So one at one point I spouted out of my mouth, spouted off at the mouth is what they say. I did that uh, la- last yeah, last night. When was that? <laughs> yesterday. Yesterday lunch. What was the context of that? Oh, <clears throat> oh, yes. Talking about Disney pins. Nick's sister, Gabby, had a, a wonderful collection. You guys know I want Disney pins. I love Disney pins. And she had a, a, a rich collection of Disney pins from the 90s. She was an avid collector as a child. And uh, this, the, I, I caught word that these Disney pins existed um, probably like three or four years ago. Started the hunt looking for them. We could never find them. There was a house move. They got misplaced in the move. Who knows? The Disney pins no longer exist. or I mean, they exist somewhere, but they're no longer in our field of objects. And Nick was like, you know what, guys? Stop talking about the Disney pins. You know why they're lost? Because they were in the attic for 20 years. And if things are in the attic, it means they're just junk that you're not using. And we shouldn't care about things we're not using. And I was thinking about how I had just, you got me those uh, bears. And I was like, oh, I love these. I'm not going to take them out of their bag. Because then they would uh, be ruining their mint condition. And so I put them in the closet, which is our version of the attic. I, I do feel like I was pissing some people off with my take. Yeah. On the attic and slash the basement. It was, well, it was because it was also a basement talk. I threw it in there. We have all these collectible things that like, uh, you know, my family moved houses a few times. A couple of a couple of them were abrupt. And um, there seems to be some missing memorabilia, mm-hmm. you know, baseball cards, baseball cards, some like old toys and stuff like that. But in my estimation even if we had those they'd still be in a basement somewhere so like what does it matter if they're there or they're not um but you know a couple of these things were signed i get it i would like it we don't have a home in which like if i were to put out like some super cool baseball cards or like a cool like toy that was signed by the guy who it was invented by or you know if we had like cool memorabilia and i'm talking about when we live in brooklyn like it wouldn't matter Right. Um, no and, one's and coming over, first off. Number one, no one's coming over ever again. Yeah, that's okay? done. Number two, we don't, we're not, like, cool enough that, like, hey, check it out. This is our memorabilia room. It's just, like, you look around our apartment. You can even look around the clubhouse. You're like, yeah, I see a whole bunch of shit. I yeah. couldn't pick one thing out that seems special. Now, I do understand the idea of, hey, this is special to me. This is special to me. And I have that as well. I have a few things that I wouldn't want to get rid of that I feel like I absolutely could get rid of if it wasn't my dumb shit. But when I'm hearing it from other people, it just seems so clear. You mm. ever you ever realize that? Mm-hmm. Like you, you could be a pack rat keeping shit in boxes for a decade, and then you tell you hear about one person, you know, talking about something that's in a basement, and you're like, wait, who, who gives a shit? How long's it been in the basement? Twenty <laughs> years? Let Let's pretend it's in the basement if you don't know if it's there. That's the other thing. It's like. No one would have had this thing displayed probably if it wasn't gone. Like it would eventually wound up under somebody's bed in a closet in a basement. Well, I would have gone ape shit over those pins. I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest. So the pins, I think now this is just me. I woke up 11 seconds ago. I maybe would go back on my pins thing. The pins thing does seem a little different. Pins thing burns. They have become more important to us as the years have gone on. (laughs) Okay, these pins were my sister's pins uh, and they were 90s pins. Ashley and I got reinvigorated uh, in the Disney franchises through uh, our multiple trips to Disney World in the past four or five years. So the pins thing is real. 
you guys have been with us for a while, you know that it you gets, know about the pins, y'all. It gets weird in this house with Ashley and pins. I just really like them. I like collecting them. But let's let's forget uh, uh, the genius I was I was spitting yesterday. Now yeah. let's talk about what you are bringing to the table here is, is the idea of taking this memorabilia out and posing it around the house. Now, yeah. Now, have you had any ideas on some some scenes that you're going to... Are you going to do the classic scenes from the classic 2001 Country Bears movie? Well, I think what we should do is we should uh, use Lily's crate as the stage, um, like right there, so you see it right when you walk up into the clubhouse. And I think we should... we should Yeah, like, but there's a guess who pu- and a puzzle on there. Yeah, we're going to find a different... We're going to find a different home for those things. And we're going to arrange it as if it's a stage and then maybe some of the country bears will put them down like the step down as if they're in the audience that's kind of cool i was thinking this table here that we're next to in the corner of the room we could do that we could also do the food table and listen the point (laughs) is is that we you and i are going to have nick and i have a date tonight i'm sure he hasn't forgotten about it he's he's looking at me very oddly you didn't forget about our date i did Nick. Oh, we're supposed to play mini golf. We're going to play mini golf and? No clue. Go to the beach. I'm not going to the beach. You're going to the beach. You've been There's here for no a time. month and a half. You haven't gone to the beach yet. Yeah. The people out there have COVID-19. Ever heard of it? That's why I like to go at 6 p.m., 7 p.m. No one's on the beach. We'll take a little dip in the ocean. It's warm. You're, Come on. You, embrace you, embrace you the good fortune that you have of living next to the beach. If you go after 5 o'clock, you're risking nighttime COVID. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which, uh, folks, I'm telling you, if you haven't had this nighttime COVID, you don't want it, okay? So I was thinking, it attacks your sex organs. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking that could be our date tonight. We do some mini golf. We take a dip in the ocean. We come back here. We arrange our country bears. Listen, I like about three quarters of that idea. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, the problem is I could say up and down. That I want to do some stuff at night, but you never know how I'm going to feel after teaching my summer camp class. Yeah, summer camp has started for us. Um, last week was our first full week of summer camp. Now, summer camp is just, we're just doing an extension of us teaching kids comedy. Uh, we've been doing that over Zoom all all of 2020, pretty much. And uh, it's been going pretty well. Uh, the problem is, in summer camp, it's five days a week. It's too much. It, I mean, uh, listen, it... it it always feels like it's going to be too much. The idea that at the end of this week, we're going to have to get five little kids enough comedy that they won't be embarrassed on the Internet. I yeah. mean, that is really the goal for us, the teachers here. But, you know, there is something about teaching on Zoom that is, I would say, a third more draining than teaching in a real life atmosphere. And you have to take the subway there and back. It does soak up more time, like actual human time, when you actually have to go to a place. When you place. have to travel, yeah. You have to travel and be there, and then you're like, oh, it's hot outside. But it's not as draining, you're right. It, there's something, like, you can kind of, like, for a second, when you're teaching in real life, is like, look at your phone. Like, I'm not, we're not bad teachers, no, but just using- like the checking out for like a hot second just to get your mind right, you cannot do when you're an instructor over the internet on, on Zoom or FaceTime. You have to make direct eye contact with your computer screen for 
two hours and eight minutes. It's really hard. And I also think a big thing that is missing from it is um, like conversations amongst the kids because because of the way like in a real classroom or in like a our, our old scenario, you could kind of facilitate a conversation. But on Zoom, it doesn't really work that well because all of a sudden now everyone's talking over them and there's a sense of chaos. And so you really do have to constantly be moderating everything all of the time. It's it's tiring. But one thing that's very cool about it is that um, we get to show stand-up clips because we're on the internet. So you can just like pull, let's like, you can just be like, okay, let's watch this late night set and pull it up. Let's watch Mitch Hedberg talk about some, um, you know, parades or whatever. And you get to watch five minutes with the kids and then deconstruct it, talk about it, etc. And that is, um, that's been like a big plus. I didn't realize how much that helps people learn. Yeah, it also eats up time. Hey, listen, nobody wants to say that we're trying to eat up time, but you do need some time to uh, rejuvenate your brain. And by watching some actual good stand-up comedy, it does get get stuck in your craw a bit. You're like, oh, I kind of want to hit that level one day with my material. And also, there's so many different little aspects to stand-up that you can point out. Every comic is different. You get to take a little from Mitch. You get to take, take a little from Bamford. You get to take a little bit from I don't remember anybody else that we showed, but <laughs> yes, it, it is a it is a help a help a helpful tool. Also, it's just like I have never I have not watched this much stand up comedy, and I'm gonna go out on a limb and say a decade. It is making me like stand up again. I feel like when you start working in something like you're you love a thing right you love an industry it brings you to it you love country music you're like i'm gonna be a country music singer and then once you get into the business and you kind of see maybe the darker murky side of things it kind of it sours you a little bit so i've definitely uh, pulled back on the amount of stand-up i w- was watching once i got serious about stand-up so yeah it's nice to be watching this much stand-up again i it's made me miss it i had a show on saturday i had like a 3 p.m I did a show show for a company in England. This is a Zoom show. Another wonderful thing about Zoom. Did you ever find out what the company was? Yeah, it's called Living Social. Oh, I think I've heard of that. Yeah, it's a thing. And they had like a a corporate. Yeah, they had a corporate event and um, did a show for them. And it was really fun to perform. By the way, this is my impression of the guy who um, doesn't. He wants to pretend like he knows what the person's talking about, but um, doesn't actually. Uh, hey, yeah, I've heard of that. Uh, they got a website, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> we also had uh, our graduation shows for our spring semester on Saturday. So, like, summer camp and spring semesters overlapped. And I know that my mom really liked it when we talked about some of our kids' jokes on the episode that we did where we talked about some premises. So, why don't we give them a just give the listeners a little taste? of some of the uh, A-plus material that uh, people used on Saturday. Sounds good. What do you got? Um, I had this one kid who did this whole bit about how, like, we all have a friend who um, is always asking us to hang out with them, but he, he doesn't want to hang out with them. And But the problem is that he's a bad liar, and so every time his friend asks if they can hang out, he's always like, oh, yeah, I'd love to, but... 
I, I have an improv show later. And <laughs> he just keeps having improv shows. And the kid will be like, well, can I get a link? I'll watch the improv show. And he's like, oh, no. Um, yeah, it's all, all the links have been given out. There's no more links to the <laughs> improv show. So that was one of his bits. Another one of his bits was like, why do we always have to say goodbye? Sometimes it's a bad bye. I don't always want to say goodbye. Why can't we just say bye? Nice. I bad that- bye. Yeah, and then we had this girl, uh, one of the girls in the class did a Yelp review for every after-school activity she's ever had. Um, So it's like soccer, ballet, choir, uh, tap dance. She just went through them all and rated them and gave like a little snippet about each one. That's a fun bit. Yeah. She Uh, said that uh, the big takeaway from soccer is that Gatorade is called soccer juice. (laughs) (laughs) Soccer juice is funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, my kids, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, there is. Uh, Wait, one more. I'm so, oh, so, so yeah. sorry. She, one of uh, one of her after school activities was theater. And she said, um, she said it was, it would have been fun if I was good at it. And then she tried to do an act out. Like she tried to act at, as do doing the to be or not to be monologue from Hamlet. And then she kind of stumbled over it and she goes, I decided not to be. Nice. That's good, right? And she's ten, y'all. She's ten. Okay, uh, what were you gonna say? Well, uh, there just you know, every so often there's bits where I'm like, eh, I would have liked that. I would have liked mm-hmm. to have thought mm-hmm. of it. It happens. It happens with these children. Um, I uh, there's a girl in my class um, who's very funny, and she did a bit just about how since she's been home a lot, she's just been doing the same thing every day, which pretty much includes watching Jeopardy. And uh, she was talking about Jeopardy a little bit, but then the bit really is about um, the fact that it's paired up with Wheel of Fortune Jeopardy and about the differences between Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and the fan, like how the people on Jeopardy are super smart, but the people on Wheel of Fortune, uh, like, can't, you know, can't act, you know, (laughs) they can't (laughs) spell words right, you know? Yeah. Uh, Such a good bit. And then uh, the differences in the hosts, you know, Trebek versus, uh, what's his name, Sajak. Yeah, what are her takes on the hosts? That Trebek is just really cool, smart, uh, and Sajak uh, looks like he's holding Vanna White hostage. Um, (laughs) It's just very, very good shit. Um, I very much enjoyed it. Uh, I like the fact that uh, my kids were able to sort of just take exactly what was going on in their lives at the moment and create some material out of it. Um, uh, We had a kid who they are quarantining in like a beach house in Long Island, and uh, they are not a white family, uh, but they assume they are staying in a white family's home based on how many quotes are written on the wall. Wow. Uh, and just going through like uh, what it's like to live in a Caucasian household. Oh my, like live, laugh, love? Like uh, those yes, sort of quotes? Yes, yes, those sort of things. Like monogrammed pillows, you know what right. I mean? Right. I'm looking at one right now. Yeah, exactly. We're in a white person's beach yeah. house, basically. Um, super astute observations that made me laugh very hard. So yeah, these kids were... Um, uh, really fun to teach, uh, and I, I was unsure that this would um, be possible to really do uh, what we do live and in person at a comedy club online, um, and I would say it's not exactly the same, but it's absolutely possible, and uh, it was actually surprising to me that these kids were able to sort of build material and then deliver it um, so confidently uh, where it wasn't like, uh, whatever, who cares? It was like, oh, these are actually very good. Um, yeah. You know, the jokes that were built. So kudos to, to those kids. Um, and 
Also, it kind of like makes me excited about the idea that if we have to be performing on Zoom, you know, for a lot longer than we expected, it, it's possible. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not it's not the worst thing in the world. I'm not so interested in the idea of outdoor shows and stuff like that. I, I, I'm not going to do one. I have not done one yeah, yet. You I'm know? not going to so. do it. This whole like outdoor show thing where people sit in their car. I don't know. The whole the whole like being a part of an event that encourages people to gather seems like counterintuitive. And I don't know. I'm not into it. Um, but, you know, what I was going to say is like I feel like our experience with kids in comedy. Um, that's the name of the program, by the way. I guess you can just all look it up now. Um, but my experience there has made me realize that like I would like to be a teacher. Okay, I like teaching. I'm like, if comedy doesn't work out, if writing and stuff doesn't work out, I'd be a teacher. But then I realize there's no comedy class in a public school. I don't know what I would teach. You teach uh, speech and theater. Yeah? Yeah, and you can teach improv. Do, is there a speech and theater class? I mean, there's there theater. Is, there's theater, but aren't those the, aren't those people in theater who are teaching theater, they have like their, you know, bachelors nah, in theater. My, yeah, maybe. No. <clears throat> my first theater teacher was, had like their bachelors in English and they had just had experience and they were like doing plays and stuff. In that class, I got to learn how to give like extemporaneous speeches, like different types of public speaking things. Yeah. Got to learn how to do improv. Got to learn how to, you know, uh, read monologues and audition for uh, That's monologues. Cool. It was cool. You kind of, you can probably create your own curriculum in that sort of elective way. Yeah. Uh, if you're one of those teachers. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I do a pretty a good job as well doing some sort of teaching in that way. I, you're I, a great teacher. I just don't like school, so that's a problem. Mm. I would feel like a big hypocrite. I hated going to school. So the idea that I become a teacher would really feel like one of those, like, you know, pilots of a sitcom like damn like where you show up you know it's like eastbound and down people are yeah. like you're a teacher you're a fucking asshole and it's like <laughs> yeah that's what i'm doing now though yeah and your teenage self is very disappointed yeah you don't want to be a teacher <laughs> teachers suck we all know that. No, i think <laughs> you'd be a great teacher no. listen we need to talk about the llama farm or the alpaca farm yes much different yeah we went to an alpaca farm ash uh, yeah, we went um, with, uh, with my fam, uh, drove over to this uh, alpaca farm that's very close to the place that we're living. We've driven by it a couple of times after some grocery store runs, and I, we were like, what? That's an alpaca farm. I mean, it's an alpaca <laughs> farm that's literally on the corner of like a Whole Foods and a TJ Maxx. It's it, it's it's very interesting. It's 13 acres tucked between like uh, suburban sprawl, basically. We've seen the alpacas on the street as we've driven by. We've said, hey, it'd be cool to go there. Found out that uh, you could go there um, on the weekends and they'll give you a little tour. I didn't know what I was in for. I kind of figured you'd go there and you'd like walk around. There'd be a couple of alpacas out. You would see like, you know, on the other side of a fence. You kind of looked at the fence and be like, oh, this is cool. Okay, let's go home. Turns out we showed up and the guy who owns the farm clearly is just a guy who likes when people come, come over. Yeah. And he just like personally just takes you around and lets you like hug alpacas yeah we got out of the car them. and he was like you guys want to go in there here come here come here here's some feed you want to feed them and just yeah. was like handing us buckets of feed we went into the first um like little pen of the first like fenced off acre and it was all the guy alpacas it was the males and we uh we ventured around we took some pics um i had a ball i don't know if nick was that into it um i like 
being there, but I didn't really care. You didn't I, want to touch him. Nah, I didn't really care. I didn't want to feed him or touch him. Meanwhile, I was up in their shit, y'all. I was yeah. I was scratching ears, under chins. They're so soft. That's where cashmere comes from. They shave them and get cashmere. So then we went and we visited the gals, and that was like a much bigger area. That was really nice because we stood out in the field, and we were surrounded by them just grazing. It was yeah. very magical. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not so inter- interested in like the farm with the animals on it, and let's go feed the pigs. Like, you know what I mean? I, I just don't care. I I don't think I ever really cared past probably age eight. Like, I never was that interested in going to a zoo or. I like aquariums because they're kind of creepy. Aquariums are awesome. Yeah, I'm not interested in a zoo, but I I do like a farm. There's like they had a lot of land to move around in. I didn't feel like they were being subjected to anything. Well, they're also inhumane. just being all they just do is just get kind of shaved. They get you know? shaved and, and they graze hell out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but so they're I, so cute, you guys. They look like the most, uh, they have big eyelashes and they're just, they got these long necks and they just, they're just so adorable. Oh, I want them. They're like little llamas, kind of. They're like little camels, kind of. And the guy was like, just oh, yeah. treat them like the a horse. between a llama and a camel? Don't stand behind them. Treat them like a horse. Um, I don't know what the difference, I mean, there's a the difference. Humps. Yeah, there's a difference. Llamas are littler. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? You gotta look it up. Um, but they were so cute, and I just wanted to scratch on their necks all the time, just give them little ear rubs. But not, no one was there, which was nice. There was like another little family kind of venturing, kind of satelliting around us. Um, but this guy has the life. He just sits in the shade of his carport, you know, waiting. People pull up, and he's like, hey, you want to see the llamas? Okay, come over here. And then we gave him a little donation when we left. But there was no tickets, nothing. No price of admission. You had a bunch of dogs walking around. Dogs having the time of their life. Your mom wanted to go. That was her idea. Um, yes. And she thinks that one that they look like her dog Ralph. Yeah. Which is something. Which is a phenomenon <laughs> that, if any, maybe pet owner has, where they they see something cute that they like, and then they're like, "Oh, that's just like the cute thing I have at home." <laughs> Ash and I compare most little cute things to our cat, Lily. Yeah. I see a little rabbit, you know, hopping around. I'm like, oh, Lily. (laughs) (laughs) A little baby duck. Reminds me of Lily. Yeah. Little little stinkers. Speaking of Lily, Lily and Ralph, you want to tell them what you did? Oh, yeah. My mom has a dog, and uh, it's a Morky. It's a little tiny dog. And we have a cat. And so they've been kind of like... They've been they've been separated by a door for most of our time here on the Jersey Shore. And our cat Lily desperately wants to just go downstairs and like explore the entire house, which we've let her do at night night. a couple of times when everyone's away. We've taken her out on a balcony once uh, or twice. She does not like that that much. We don't know why we figured she'd enjoy being outdoors since she was an outdoor cat. But the idea, we do keep her on a leash because, you know, we are in New Jersey. We're not going to be able to, like, find her in the woods. She'll just, like, run under a car and we'll never see her again. Um, We've even taken her off the leash for, like, a second and just been like, is this better? She, for some reason, does not want to be out on on that deck. And it's like, okay, fine. But what she does want is to be around in every other room in this home. So She wants to sniff everything that exists in the house. Yes. Yeah. So she's going one by one to every item, sniffing it, put, checking it off on her little sniff list. 
And uh, so I, I'll let her out. I'll go I'll let her into some other rooms. I'll br we'll bring her downstairs to the living room while we're watching the challenge, and she'll kind of sniff around for 90 minutes, and then we bring her back up. Um, but there's a couple dogs that live here. My grandmother has a dog who lives with her, and that is a chihuahua. My mother has a dog who lives with her, and that is a Morky, and we have Lily. And so there's like this little, like, hmm, are, 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 are animals ever going to all get along? And uh, just yesterday, you know, as I open up the door to the clubhouse, Lily's standing on the steps, waiting, just waiting, waiting to be, it's, is this my time? This is, is this her my new time? thing. Since we've let her out a couple of times, she's now likes to wait on the steps for when we open the door. Like, hey, remember when we went out and explored the house? Maybe we want to think about doing that again, huh? That's yeah. like her thing. You open the door and she's just staring at you. Oh, funny seeing you here. <laughs> I was just hanging out on these steps by the door. Oh, yeah, we should go out. <laughs> and every so often I'll pull her butt out. And so yesterday I pulled her butt out and I held her. And uh, my mother's dog, Ralph, was in the other room right where I was standing. And Ralph has seen Lily from afar recently, but has not been face to face. And they've talked under the door. They've I've seen their little paws go under the door. Ralph, we don't know what's happening. He's a barker. I, I We're afraid that he's going to bark and then she's going to get scared and scratch and then it'll be a nightmare. So I don't really want to like let them together in, without supervision. So I picked I picked her up and then my mom picked her dog up and we just kind of like brought them next to one another. And uh, Ralph uh, was a good boy, but he was very hyper. He was like, what is happening here? What is this animal? I don't think he got to see many cats in his lifetime mm. so far. Mm -hmm. So he's like, what is this thing? Mm -hmm. Like, it kind of looks like me, but I can sense that it's not a threat in that way. Mm -hmm. It's not a dog. It's different, it's but different. it's similar. Is this one of those squirrels? Like, you know, there's a raccoon that bothers me every once in a while. Is this one of those? Yeah, is this something I should be barking at? Yeah, she, he can't tell, but he's very excited. His Lily, little heart was beating, right? Yes, like, like thump, 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 thump. Lily wasn't even looking at Ralph. I mean, they, <laughs> she, I had put her face right up towards Ralph's face, who was, like, sniffing and looking right at her. Yeah. And Lily couldn't do any. You know, it's just one of those things where it's just like, hey, whoa, brother, over here. Come on now. <laughs> come on. Come on. Literally couldn't look anywhere. Like, her eyes were going everywhere else. The, the stairs to the downstairs. She was looking in each room. Wouldn't pay Ralph any mind at all. Lily's always scoping out the room. But she did sense that, like, because when I had picked her up, like, and I brought her out, she was, like, trying to struggle so she could get loose, you yeah, know? Yeah, classic. She's, like, she's telling us, like, let, put me down. When Ralph came up to her and was, like, uh, before my mom had picked her up, Ralph was, like, by my legs, like, on his hind legs, like, sniffing, like, looking up. She completely stopped doing that. Ooh, so she, she went limp. She could sense that she was, like, oh, I'll hang up here <laughs> in my dad's arms. <laughs> While this whole weird situation happens, I was struggling, but now I'm okay. This seems like a safer situation than possibly going down there. So she did sense that there was something happening. Yeah. Because her, bo her whole body language changed. Oh, that's cool. But, like, I'm trying, you know, you think she'd be interested at all in, yeah. in another animal. But she doesn't give a shit, you know. That's funny. But a fucking ant walks by. And she's like, oh, shit. I'm going to battle that I'm ant. battle this little picnic ant that is walking by. Well, you guys know, I'm sure we've mentioned on the pod in the past that uh, before we got Lily, she was an outdoor cat. She was up for adoption and she was being fostered. And um, at the foster home, she was uh, friends with a little dog. 
So she definitely had a dog friend before. So I, th- I think her and Ralph will be buds. I really do. I really think they'll yeah, be buds. I just can't trust Ralph. Yeah, that's true. He's a, he's yeah. a wild card, man. Yeah, he's he, a loose cannon. He didn't like the other dog for quite some time, right? Didn't him and Pavarotti yeah. have like issues? He didn't like any dogs. Yeah. So I don't. We don't know exactly how he is with cats. Yeah. It's My a mom, of course, is like, no, he. They're gonna be friends. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like you know, my animal has like razor sharp talons. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's you got to be careful. You never know. Oh, Ralph's got a bite. Dogs have bites. Yeah, but I don't think he, he's not going to get anywhere near her. You don't think? I don't think so. He's not the smartest dog. What? Sorry. Just saying it. Sorry, Mom. I just don't think he'd be able to beat my cat. <laughs> That's all. I think my cat would win. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about a new reality show on CBS called Tough as Nails. And, of course, our thoughts on the season of Survivor 28. Cagayan. See you in a sec. Hey, folks, we're back. So, uh, Ashley, you have uh, um, you have our description for Tough as Nails. I do, I do. Do you want to tell the people why we started watching it? I wanted to watch it because we have to watch something new every once in a while for this show. Well, <laughs> because <laughs> it was taking over the Survivor spot on CBS, right? Yeah, it was being promoted while we were watching season forty of Survivor, and so I was like, oh. That'll be something to watch. It mm-hmm. seems interesting. And it debuted on um, July 8th, right? Yeah, it debuted on last Wednesday. Uh-huh. And um, we we saw the first episode, which was two hours. It was an intense first episode. And here is the synopsis of the show. Inspired by executive producer and host, Phil, oh no, I don't know how to say his last name. McCracken. Kogan's working class family. Tough as Nails is about competitors who consider the calluses on their hands a badge of honor. They are tested for their strength, endurance, agility, and mental toughness in challenges that take place in the real world. One by one, they are eliminated until the winner is named. The series proves that toughness comes in all shapes and sizes, and it celebrates Americans who don't think twice about working long, hard hours and getting their hands dirty to keep their country running. Um, this show was... I don't know. I'm on the fence about it. I, I thought... I, I liked... The comp the com- the competitions. I like the competitive nature. I like that it is uh, survivor esque in the sense that there are teams and there's individuals going against uh, you know each other trying to get a spot. I did not like that it felt like one long um, commercial. It felt like a like a truck commercial. Well, the winner at the end gets. $200,000, which at this point in reality television, I think we can all agree that is uh, pretty low, you know? I'm surprised some of those contestants didn't walk off the set when they heard $200,000. I mean, $200,000 is a lot of money, it's but trash. like... trash. What are you going to get with $200,000? People are winning. People are winning a million. Either you win a million dollars or a husband on reality television these days. So 200000 it's like, what is this, 2005? 
Um, and I do say that with a little bit of jest, but also it just felt kind of like weird that this is like the show for the working class people. These are working class participants and we're going to pay them cheaper than we pay anyone else. And it's like, okay. Um, and so it felt like, uh, and, and, and the winner also gets a Ford truck. And so it felt like a truck hey, commercial. Hey, whoa, you didn't mention that. That's built Ford Tough. You <laughs> it, mean found on road dead? Anytime anybody mentions Ford in front of Ashley, she goes, uh, you mean found on road dead? Fix or repair daily. And so it's got um, like the truck is featured. Like the, they'll be like doing a daily or something. They'll be doing a challenge. And then there's just a Ford truck kind of like in the distance in the shot. And it just felt like that. It, and, and at times it felt like there's like this weird sort of like class and American propaganda about like working class people. Like something that they do on this show that I've never seen before. And I don't want to speak for both of us, but I will. I don't think that either of us liked this element is that even when a team or an individual has lost they still finish the activity to prove that they don't quit because it's like working class tough. We don't quit. Yeah, well, if you're tough as nails, you'll finish that. Finish that. Keep shoveling that soot. <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't like that. It just takes up too much time. <laughs> and it's like I don't care to see somebody finishing out like a grueling activity even though the stakes are over and they've lost. I, I don't care for that. Another thing about this show that I don't... I, this might be interesting, but it just seems crazy. There's two competitions going on here. Number one is each one of these 20 people or whatever it is are competing to win half a million dollars or whatever. What, what is it? $200,000. $200,000 is the individual winner. For crying out loud, they gave the season 40 winner of Survivor $2 million. I know. And this is on the same network. Rich-ass network, by the Rich. way. Rich. CBS is rolling in it. Clear channel, folks. Look it up. Now, I mean, give them half a mil. So, uh, give them half a mil is right. So, um, the there's a competition... That is called the individual competition, where each one of these twenty people are are, are competing to win two hundred thousand dollars. Now, they're also separated into teams on the first episode, and those teams are competing to win cash that they get after every episode or every challenge that they have. That cash is not the $200,000 that you would win if you win the ultimate individual competition. It's just separate cash they give to people. They, I guess you split amongst your team and tally up at the end of the show. So maybe at the end of the show, if an there's an individual winner and then a team win, and if you're on that same team, you've won it individually, and you're also on the team that wins, maybe you win half a million dollars based That's on the amount of That's not possible. Cash. It's not possible because the first thing we saw that team win, they won $2,000. Okay, so, and they're split up between like 12 people. Yeah, so like if you do that, no, each person got 2000 Oh, okay. But like let's say they do 10 challenges and you win all of the 10 challenges, that's $20,000. Right, and there'll probably be 15 challenges. So yeah, you're not going to... You're not when breaking that, much, that half mil mark. But if you get eliminated from the individual competition at the end of an episode, you do not go home. You then have to go back to your team and just keep competing on the team aspect of things. And so there was a loser in this episode that is just going to have to still hang out with all these people that are in contention of the money that they were trying to win. And that, to me, is such a prick move. But... 
it may yield some exciting reality television. So I'm, I'm a little conflicted. I, I don't understand the purpose of it. I don't get why they've done it. And I'm hoping that it's not, hey, these are all hardworking people. We want them to go home with something. So if they get eliminated, we don't want them to just go home. That's sad. They get to stay in on the team part, and still they're up to win some money every single episode. I hope it was. it's not for that purpose, and I hope it is, boy, oh, boy, wouldn't it be fucking annoying as shit if you lose and then to to somebody that's on your team in an individual competition and then the next day you have to compete with them you might want to fuck with their money a little bit like you know what i, mean? I hope it's to create dr- reality television show drama mm-hmm. and so that there are some sort of like game within the game happening I, I, i'm hoping for some sort of alliances or strategy i'm hoping for a little bit of that because if if every episode is based on, the, you know how how it went on the first episode that we watched, it seems like we're watching some sort of like a chopped style competition where it's like people are shaking each other's hands and being like, "Hey, great game," and not some villainous, you know, uh, uh, conniving bullshit that I really like to see on on competition reality, like the challenge, like Survivor, like Big Brother. Yeah, um, I'm hoping for it. I, I saw they did not give us a this season on. Which is odd. They just gave us at the end of this episode what's coming up on the following episode. There was a couple of clips in sort of the promotion leading up to the show beginning. There were some tears where a woman was was saying that she feels neglected on her team or she feels unappreciated or underestimated. So there seems to be maybe something going on. That might be less than just competition, healthy competition, where people are shaking each other's hands and supporting people. I don't, I don't know how to feel about this. I have less of a problem with the propaganda that you feel like is being exposed, espoused on this show, which I do see the uh, blue-collar, hardworking American. Um, Let me explain myself. Sure, go ahead. I, I Okay, here is the pros of this show before I get into my major con with it. The pros of this show are that these challenges are interesting. Like, we got to see how railroad tracks are put together. I thought that was cool. I've never seen that before. I feel like I learned something, and it was a good challenge. Um, There's not a machine to do that yet, guys. I mean, I'm sure there is, but, like, I, it felt like a mini lesson, a history lesson to some degree. The The other thing I like about it is we got some real characters on this show, which I'm into. I feel like the format of this show allows for all different types of people. And it kind of feels like, you know, not to mention Big Brother Season 10, but that felt like the last time that I actually saw, like, an older person on a competition show with Jerry. And we have, like, a couple of older people on this show. I like the diversity of age that's happening on the show. I think that is interesting. My big con with it, and I don't want to get... I do. I do want to get political. Whatever. Who cares? This is our podcast. I can I can talk about it even if it is reality television. I, I personally believe that the disparity of wealth in this country is one of um, our culture's greatest evils. Okay? The fact that the 1% owns like 50% of the world of the country's possessions and lands and wealth. I just don't think that's right. And I think that there's a lot of things... Um, 
in entertainment. I think there's a lot of things in our culture that sort of reinforce uh, class positions that keep the class uh, sort of in line, if you will. And I think one of those things is sort of class propaganda and this idea that like, you know, that it, this idea that like we, we, our hands are dirty, but our money is clean, which is something they kept saying over and over again in this show as if they're somehow morally superior to people who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, um, in the stocks every month, which I, I don't think they should be allowed to do that. But I think that I, this idea of moral superiority in the working class or like having pride in that way just keeps people in that position, in that class position. Now, we've all, you see this all the time. You don't even realize it. Like in the movie Titanic, for example, which I brought up last night because it's one of my favorite um, moments because it's the first time I realized it as like a 13-year-old was in the movie Titanic. You see the rich people, right? That that whole movie is about class. So you got the rich people and then the, the poor people below deck. And the rich people, you don't want to hang out with them. They're stiff. They're evil. You don't feel you don't feel comfortable with them. The rich people are just portrayed as these like lifeless sort of characters. It's like, oh, who would want to be around them? And then Jack, you know, he takes her down into the below decks with the poor people. And what are the poor people doing? They're dancing. They're having the time of their life. She sweats. She smiles. She's laughing. Poor people know how to live. And I think that that is propaganda to keep people in. I don't know if it's purposeful propaganda. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that it, it does keep people um, sort of reinforcing class structure. And I found that this show was doing that uh, to a large degree, you know, like, again, with that saying, saying over and over again, we get our hands dirty, but our money is clean. And it just felt it, it felt it made me uncomfortable. And that is why I will not continue to watch this show. What? I thought this was our new favorite show. Nope. You're brought. You're dropping this bomb on the podcast. Yeah, I'm not going to watch this show. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to watch it. I liked the people and I liked the competition, but this whole this whole thing that was revolving around just like. You know, it just if I understand taking pride in your job and I respect that a great deal. But there's something in this show that felt a little evil and it made me uncomfortable watching was, it. This show was built for tough. I'd like to read some reviews on hey, IMDb. I can't even respond to your fucking communist ass fucking social bullshit. As you know me, I'm a red-blooded American. I've worked every day in my goddamn life with my hands. I think there was a callus on my foot one time. <laughs> now, um, listen, I didn't have as much of an issue uh, with this whole propaganda um, thing that Ashley was sort of picking up on. And she did enlighten me many, many times while we were watching this show to the point where it was a little less enjoyable <laughs> than it could have been. <laughs> but you know what? That's Ash, and that's why I love her. All right. The bitch got tooed. <laughs> um, uh, but I'll tell you what. I wasn't as bothered by it. Um, I did pick up on it, uh, especially when Ashley was highlighting certain things. She's right about that. I I will say, and I don't think Ashley would disagree with me here. I don't think it's purposeful. As Ashley just read, which just told me, uh, I didn't know about this, but apparently the host came up with the show. I, I think the host was probably like, Hey, look at all these blue... He's a Boston guy. He's like, look at all these blue-collar workers. Oh, we got to do a show about them. 
And then, you know, you ha- then all of a sudden you get all the executives and you're yeah. a pair of producer and they're like, oh, yeah. And then we can make it like a Ford thing. Yeah. And then it's like, what if they all wear Carhartt? And it's like, yeah. And it's like team effort. And, and this is going to be. And we never quit. Yes. We're going to make them you finish know? the things until the And it's like, leave these people alone. I think it's less of, um, you know, a strategy to uh, su- suppress the masses uh, as it is like a bunch of people who don't realize that they're in that system. Yes. Uh, um, uh, uh, doing yeah. this propaganda. You know just, what I mean? It's so, a writer's room grasping for at yeah. straws in terms of like... If this is true about our show, what else could we do that's blue collar? Yeah, and I 100% get that. I don't think that this is... I, I'm not in a conspiratorial way saying that like they're doing this on purpose to reinforce things. I'm just seeing that I'm, I'm seeing patterns and tropes on this show that I think are questionable and I don't think are necessarily like great for a culture. But, you know, I do think that people, I do think roof layers and drywall people and, you know, masons and welders, I think those are important <laughs> jobs and I respect those people a great deal. I, I, and I want that to be clear. And I, I think that it would be cool if the show was more about those specific jobs, to like tell us about those jobs. I think that's interesting. But more it's around these sort of like general ideas of like, you know, we're, we, we pull ourselves up and we we're the backbone of this country and all these things that feel like I said like a truck commercial you know I'd I would prefer it if they highlighted each job and they explained how those jobs work instead of kind well, of going through you could just go you know there's a show called that uh, was on the air may still be on the air called dirty jobs which was uh, hosted by Mike Rowe on the Discovery Channel, oh, yeah. I believe, which he would just go and... I but, almost wrote for that show. Yeah, it's a cool... I love that show. Yeah. Now, is that part of the system as well? I don't know. I never... I I didn't write for that. I, I didn't almost write for that show. I almost wrote for a spinoff of that show that never got made, but so, I don't think that's... I don't think that is the case because that was highlighting the actual, like, job and the what revolves around it. For example, there's, like, a farmer on this show. There's this uh, woman who's a farmer and she's, like, talking about her days as a farmer and, like, she's like we got to get up at three and four a.m. sometimes i'm like okay what kind of she must be a dairy farmer like she's getting up that early like they don't talk about the specifics of what kind of a farmer she is it's just this very sort of general like and so i know what being ford tough means you know i gotta get up early and that means i'm american it just feel it's just like give me an actual specific about this woman's farm what kind of farmer is she then you see a picture of her with a cow and i was like i guess she's a dairy farmer i don't know and uh, I, I actually had no problem with the show up until they profiled one woman who was like an iron worker. And uh, we found out that one of her kids is named America. And that I, bothered it you? It did. That's where I was like, oh, shit. This is <laughs> fucked up. What? Bullshit. Why is that the thing that bothers you? It's just you? like, can you imagine naming your kid America? I knew a guy named America in college. Yeah. And now look at him. He was a, he was a <laughs> political rights activist. Uh, I just, I just found that to be ridiculous. I like that that's what bothered you. I'm sorry. If you're named America, I don't want to talk to you. Okay. So that's right. America Ferrara. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here. It has three reviews on IMDb. Okay. Uh, the first one is history, not in the making. And I, I want to read this review, but it is, 
it's a little confusing to me. Um, I think there's just some typos going on. I'm not the the point of this review though is that they did not give us the real history lesson on railroads well, when they introduced railroads. There's some typos because of all the calluses on this man's hands. <laughs> so you know you can't feel the uh, the the keyboard. Yeah. Should should I read it? Yeah. The railroad compensators worked very compensators worked very hard. Why was it so difficult? Do did no one did no one know? <laughs> Stop. Wait a minute, Hold dude. on. Did no one know or care about the Gandhi dancers after the people who build the cross country U.S. railroad from the east to Midwest? Just so you know, the Gandhi dancers were black, and the Sansing was coordinated, so they all worked together. Also, from the west to the Midwest, the railroad was built by. Okay. Um, so, so, so this is they're just uh, like a drunk guy. <laughs> he's pissed off about the railroad episode not giving us like the history of railroads in America. I understand that. That would have been cool. Um, the next one is Linda Rocks. There should be there should have been a girl pick for the second team captain. Man, I was sure Linda was going to get picked for team captain. Wow, I'm disappointed now. Who? Which one was Linda? I think she was the deputy who worked in a prison. The, sh- the yeah, sheriff. The sheriff who was a prison guard, right? Yeah. Who won multiple competitions and was last picked. Yeah, that was weird. Weird. Yeah. Okay, this next one is uh, right up my alley. Are okay. you ready? Sure. Mediocre propaganda series. This CBS series fails miserably. It comes off as pushy and as propaganda and an effort to get people back to work and reach conservative viewers. Um, Reigniting the false stereotype of winners win and profit off of tough work, determination, and vigor. Can you be tough as nails and pull up your bootstraps high enough? Of course America aims to profit off of grunt work, while many of the smartest minds use brain and fingertips to own the companies that the grunt workers get employed by. So I guess I'm not the only person who was put off by this. This is interesting, though. I I had not had the thought about it um, making people go back to work comes off as pushy and as propaganda and an effort to get people back to work and reach conservative viewers that had not crossed my mind but well, reigniting the, the stereotype created before the pandemic so i mean is, is that what this person is saying like get i back guess to work so and, like, yeah it's time to open the economy back up yeah style shit yeah i mean it could be taken that way now sure but none of these people have masks on that's true um, it must have been for filmed before it was it was absolutely filmed before um so yeah, I, I mean, regardless on whether where you fall on the uh, propaganda thing, I think that the show might have been a little convoluted for me. I think they've overcomplicated things with this solo competition versus the team competition. Truly, because when they introduced it, they're like, you're clocking in, and then who knows when you're going to clock out. But punch they didn't in. punch in. And they, but then they have them do this like very sort of like ritualistic old timey clock uh, punch in card, and it's um it's but they didn't explain to us really the rules. We kind of pieced it together. Yeah, how do you punch out? I I guess you punch out of the individual competition. Yeah, but you stay on the show. Listen, there's a bunch of characters on this show that seem kind of fun to watch. Um, I'm in it for the... I like the people a lot. Yes. Uh, and, you know, when you hear their stories, you kind of want most of them to win. Yeah. Uh, more, Some more than others. 
The person who lost in the first episode, of course, was the person who had the worst sob story, who was just like, fuck, this person better win. And yeah. of course, they get thrown off. And I was like, I, sh- um, I, hope, I hope they win everything. It was it was tough. Um, I, I, I If Ashley's not going to watch this show again, it's going to be tough for me to watch this show again. It just will. So w- we'll see. Maybe I'll pop in again. Maybe I'll get the bug. I was kind of excited by this show. After watching it, I'm not so much. I, I think it kind of let me down a little bit. I wanted more from CBS and their uh, competition reality. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, uh, you check it out. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, we also finished. We polished off season 28 of Survivor Ooh, in about doggy. a week's time. Boy, that what was a, a pleasure. Season. What a pleasure. I mean, that was a good season with some really fucking great characters. And to top it all off, and the reason we watched it was because Tony uh, Vlachos' first win uh, in Survivor. And I had heard so much about how hard, quote unquote, hard he played Survivor hard play um, from podcasts and people analyzing his win on uh, season 40 and and talking about how he took the best things from his win in season 28 and then and then kind of updated his game a bit for season 40 and that's what led him to win and after watching this uh full season of season 28 I'd have to agree this guy was pedaled to the metal for fucking 20 episodes. I mean it was wild watching Tony what run a, around that island. What a treat it is <laughs> really? to watch Tony. And also there were people on this this uh season who were just standout stars on their own. I mean really like just people who I, I'm happy to find out that have come back. Uh, Spencer, Spencer, hello. Was really fun to watch. Uh, this character, Cass. This Cass was Cass, great. I just absolutely loved Cass. Chaos Cass. I, I don't know if she comes back. I Maybe not. I don't, I don't know. know. People seem to hate her. Like, yeah, I liked the her. audience hated her. The reunion for this season was, like, really a huge letdown. Survivor reunions suck. Why are they so bad? They're not salacious. The whole idea of Survivor is just, like, you know, pride and being there and all that stuff. And... And it's not about the drama. Like you never, they don't, they don't highlight hookups. They don't, you know, they highlight strategy and survival. You know, it's CBS, you know, it's a wholesome network, you know, Bazinga, all that stuff. So I kind of feel like they never do anything, but I'll tell you what, you, you could see that Jeff gets, when he can get his, his hands dirty a little bit with getting into the nitty gritty, he will, he wants to go there. I just think that he knows that the show doesn't necessarily go there. I wish he had gone there two times in the reunion, which is that in the reunion, it is briefly discussed that Sarah and Tony, a.k.a. Cops Are Us, um, had like some sort of Twitter beef post-show. Like It's just kind of like lightly brushed over. And then I was like, if this was an MTV reunion show, and you know, we dog on those reunion shows for sure, but The Miz would have definitely been like, let's check out those tweets. And we would have seen those tweets. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to know what Sarah and Tony were beefing about on Twitter. Um, and I also wanted to know, and I, I kind of found out later I did some snooping on Reddit, which, by the way, I unsubscribed from the MTV Challenge Reddit. I'm no longer following it, Nick. So Whoa. if you want MTV Challenge information, you're going to have to go there. I have subscribed to the Survivor uh, Reddit. I find it to be a much more wholesome place. What's going on over the MTV uh, Challenge Reddit? I couldn't take it anymore. What's I, happening? I just There was just too much negativity floating over there. Well, there's a lot of uh, controversy happening in that franchise at the moment. So I yeah. can imagine there's some people... 
people have popped up on both sides and some opinions you probably don't want to see in your timeline. So. And I also feel that like I, when I like somebody, I constantly find everyone hates them. And so that is kind of bothering me right. in general. And, and that does happen to some degree with Survivor as well. Like, I really liked Spencer. I thought Spencer was a very fun People character. don't like Spencer? People don't like Spencer. Why? Um, they think he's kind of an annoying know-it-all. And I like, it's like, yeah, he is. And that's great. It's like, that's why I love Adam. You know, I like, I like these people who are smart and engaging and fun to watch. And Spencer is one of those people. And I was rooting for him. And in the final tribal council, um, he, and I won't say that people don't, don't like Spencer. I found a lot of people who do like Spencer too. So it's not like the challenge when it feels like the whole tide is against one person. Like it did feel like I was the only person who liked, you know, Nelson for a while. Um, not to bring the challenge into our survivor talk, but the survivor, um, with survivor with this final tribal council, everyone who's getting up at council is like so pissed at Tony, you know, like they're like, this is a million dollar question. Do you regret swearing on your dead father's grave? And they're like, what you, you know, you, who are you? Do you even have a wife and kids? There's just like so much animosity towards Tony in this, um, tribal council. And then Spencer gets up and he's like, woo, you suck. Okay. You're a dog who just followed Tony all around. And then he looks at the final tribal council and he's like, my last words are for you guys. You better vote for Tony. He played such a good game. He owned all of us. We're the reason we're, you're all sitting here. Like this is the person who pulled it off. He just gives this really big, long speech. And, from the edit that we saw of that tribal council, it looked like the the jurors were not going to vote for Tony. Like, leading up to Spencer's speech, it looked like everyone hated Tony and they weren't going to vote for him. And then Spencer gives this speech, and spoiler alert, Tony wins. And so I wanted Jeff to be like, guys, did Spencer's speech change how you felt at all? Why wouldn't you ask them that? That was such a huge highlight of the uh, finale and then it was not even mentioned in the reunion. Well, I think it, because it was season 28, you know, they're up to season 41 if they ever get to it. So it was a while ago. And the game, I think, because of Tony and some other players in those years of seasons in the late 20s, are playing had changed the game <clears throat> and uh, have made people want to vote for somebody who maybe is a better strategic player rather than, hey, I like that guy. He's a wholesome player. And I almost feel like, and I'm not so good with political talk and stuff, but I almost feel like, um, you know, Tony's game and Spencer's game in particular, the way he breaks it down, they're like technocrats. Do you know what I mean by that? Mm -mm. So that would be a politician who can like break down the numbers of the economy mm -hmm. and be like, we don't have to, all we have to do, we, if we short this uh, side of the economy and we uh, pay only attention to the money, we can be evil and shitty, but look how good our economy is going. Right. So sort of like when McDonald's realized that it could save money by keeping its coffee at a hot temperature, but it might burn people, but they realized the money that they lost in lawsuits 
lawsuits would still be less than how much they would save over time yes. with the coffee. You're kind of giving up like humanity yeah. just for the bottom line number. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you could get a lot deeper in there with, you know, in politics with us going off the gold standard and, you know. Who knew this episode of Reality Blows was so, going to get so deep? So it's kind of like that in Survivor to where if you go back to the teens in Survivor and you'd be like, man, this guy was a hell of a guy, you know, like JT or something like that. Those, yeah. Those kind of players where it's just like, I just want to get a beer with that guy. He's a great guy. Or like, he's just, he's just, if you want a Survivor winner, you know, you want Tom, you know, like the, 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 that uh, guy who's the coach uh, uh, of some basketball team or something. And, you know, these guys who are like all American, it's like, I man, played I played by my ethics yes, and I, morals. I played by my morals. You got to vote for me. Like, that's kind of the survivor of the past. Here, we know so much about the bottom line on watching this show, and everybody's a super fan who plays now. So it's just like, boy, what I like at home is when people can connive and lie and get themselves to the next thing. So at the end, I shouldn't be upset that I got double-crossed because that is the game we're playing. And the bottom line is you need to get that million dollars or get to that final tribal. So, like, you know, Russell back in season 20 when he probably should have won that game, did not win that game. Sandra won that game because people just liked her more. Yeah. So it, it's, it's uh, you know, Tony, as you were watching this, I kept saying, and I think you agreed, Tony played a Russell-style game without the manipulation of, like, without it seeming like, uh, you know, he's running some sort of a cult. I, I feel like Russell felt like he was going to hurt you mm -hmm. if you didn't do what he said. Right. Tony did it by lying, lying, lying on his family, on his badge, on everything. He had no, and he would come uh, show up on in the interviews and be like, I'll lie on anything. I don't give a shit. I'm trying to get myself to the next, you know, running around, sneaking. You know, he's got his, uh, his. Uh, they did do something very similar. They played a similar game. Like, do you remember when the thing in Heroes versus Villains that happened with Russell and the Immunity Idol and he was like playing it up to the other team to make it look like he was going to be voted off next because it was all women left? Oh, and yeah, they yeah. gave him the Immunity and JT Idol. Gave him the idol, yes. Yeah. The biggest bonehead move of all time. I mean, that, you know, Tony, not to say it's the same, it's not the same move but remember when tony goes over to the other tribe and he's like we've got this clue and it wasn't an actual clue that they had gotten it was an old clue for, it was a clue for their tribe and he's like i'm gonna show it to one person here you know there's just like there's and then his thing with the immunity idol with the special powers right, he's lying that it could be used yeah you know? there's just and so much doing... great game playing happening by tony i mean tony instead of hiding an idol and playing it strategically like he realized that it would it would be best if i I didn't have to play this idol so he would wear it around his neck like he had one immunity and he said he could use it in the final four yeah i mean he was playing as uh sneaky as you possibly can but the bottom line is the man was running around this island one step two steps three steps ahead of absolutely everybody yep. but the gamble here are people gonna vote for you because you did sort of blindside most of the um jury and here they did, and I feel like that was the turning of the tides a bit mm -hmm. uh, on mm -hmm. how you you can now, I feel like you, you can look away from the fact that I got blindsided because of a person like Spencer, who I feel like most of the cast is Spencer's now, of people who've watched this show and have scrutinized every move that anybody's ever made, and Spencer standing up in that moment you were talking about and being like, we've all seen Survivor. The game is to get to the final three, in this case, the final two. This guy has done it. 
in a way that he was two steps ahead of all of us at every time and there was nothing any of us could do about it. And when we could do something about it, he was smart enough to make sure that we didn't. And to me, that's what Survivor is. So vote for him because he's the one who should win. He made the best hit TV and he got himself to the end. God, can you imagine? Also, the best move, I'll say, I'll say this right now. The best move Tony made all season was not taking Spencer to the final two. Right. Because if he had, Spencer would have won. He would have won because Spencer was Spencer was uh, got himself to every single, uh, over every single hurdle. Yeah. But he played from the bottom, so he was sympathetic. He wasn't responsible for kicking these people off the island. Yeah. And uh, he was an underdog that people would, would uh, vote for. There were a few people that did not like his ass, but still. Cass. I, I mean, uh so I mean, it was a it was a great season of Survivor. I 100% feel like you guys should um, go check that one out. It's a great way to get your foot in the door on Survivor. Uh, we're jacked up on it once again. We're probably going to jump into another season. For me, soon. it's better than antidepressants, to be honest. Yeah, Having really like good. something to look forward to in the form of Survivor. And then after you're done watching these classic seasons of Survivor, go on YouTube and, and type in that season plus Ponderosa. And then you get to see like little mini web episodes of what happens when the jury gets kicked out and what they do. And it's almost like a real world season where they all like hang out in a camp, eat food, and talk shit. It's incredible. It's fantastic. I would say the Cagayan one was kind of boring, but folks, go back, rewatch season 20, Heroes versus Villains, okay? One we of the watched- best seasons of all time, if not the best season of all time, from what I can tell and what some people on the internet have said, and then you can go and watch their Ponderosa episodes, which is the best Ponderosa it's so fun to watch and it feels like vintage real world how like they're just hanging out and shooting shit and it's really a good watch do it folks uh ash did you want to say something before we just that after we watched the ponderosa for season 28 you know we then went back and rewatched the ponderosa for season 20 yeah it was a full second viewing for you and i had seen parts of it i had to watch it there there's a point in which um Courtney, JT, and Coach make a band called the Dragons yeah. with a Z, and they they create some songs and some music videos, and it's so fucking good. It's so great, um, folks. That's all we have for you today. Make sure you check out RealityBlowsPodcast.com for all your Reality Blows needs. Give us five stars on the Apple Podcast app if you haven't done that yet. Write a nice review. We really appreciate it. Also, we do a Patreon. If you want two bonus episodes a month, all you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash reality blows, sign up for the $5 bonus tier, and you could get all of the bonus episodes we've ever done this year, which we started in January, and we continue to release two a month. Uh, that's all we have for you. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you on our recap on Thursday morning. Bye. Bye.